Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Career conference for females in tech was taken over by male attendees. Social media clips filmed at the Grace Hopper, the world's largest gathering of women technologists, show men standing in line to meet with recruiters. Some of the male attendees reportedly lied about being non-binary just to get in. Several tech workers defended the men for trying to capitalize on job opportunities not meant for them, saying that the entire concept was wrong. No way. So, uh, well done, fellas. I say there are a bunch of dudes, and there are some people who are like, these people have no history of identifying as non-binary online. They're dressed, they're, what's that, what are you, uh, they're presenting as males? This is, this is wrong. And the 98% of the world that's sane is like, what do you bring these things on yourself, you bunch of lunatics? (laughs) Yeah, every time I have to fill out a form, and I'm given a choice other than just male or female, I die a little bit. What are we doing here? Yeah, yeah, I know. It's We're giving in to people's delusions for reasons of neo-Marxism, which I've explained before, but uh, why don't we play 26, and then I've got a couple of stories to share with you. This is a girl who goes by Pretty Boy, wants her family, well, she kind of explains uh, what's going on here. See, Hold on uh, tight, uh, cinch up the reins. Do you know how many times I've changed a label, stopped using a label, or just don't use a label around certain people or groups? I stopped saying I have he, him pronouns to cis strangers because the look of confusion and processing in their eyes was a little too much for me to bear consistently. Introducing myself as non-binary instead of trans mask if I'm wearing a dress or makeup because I don't feel like explaining that. But also telling cis family members to use he, him pronouns for me because I know they don't understand non-binary identities. Calling myself trans mask when I want to connect with other trans mask people about hormones and identities but then only going by non-binary in other spaces because there's so many queer people that hate trans men and trans masks but are okay with non-binary people. 
saying that I'm in a sapphic relationship with my girlfriend when both of us don't like using that label and consider our relationship to be lesbian. And the thing is, I'm not even doing this around cishet people. I'm doing this around other queer people. My labels, identities, pronouns vary day to day, minute to minute, based on how much I feel like explaining myself, how much I feel like confusing people, and how tired I am. When they say you will never stop coming out, they mean it. Wow. Um, assuming that person is serious, and they sound serious. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it is interesting that her, I don't remember. I remember at the beginning I mean, of the Yeah, she's a she, I believe. Um, but this person uh, is mostly concerned about the gay community and all their judgment. But anyway, that aside, we need a name for, we we got all these names for... Uh, the whole, I feel like I'm a different gender. We need a name for the mental state of, I'm going to sit in my car and record videos <laughs> about how difficult my life is and post them. Yeah. And and we're all going to like whine together about our tiny, tiny niche in the world and how difficult it is for us. That, yeah. that needs yeah. a name. That phenomenon needs a name. Yeah, it's a tangent, but it's an important one, certainly. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, there, there's a lot going on there, I think. Uh, but back to the, the main thread of the thing, I think a lot of it is, and these people are not getting amplified in the media because the media doesn't know what to do because they believe half of this crap, is there are a lot of gay people who are like, okay, you're a confused cuckoo nut. Don't put me in your alphabet soup of identity. Don't don't expect me to. You're changing your identities and your pronouns and all every day, and you want me to look. I'm a dude. I love dudes. All right. It's easy. I'm done. Look, there, Joey. There, there ends my description. Joe, it's simple. They love each other. All right. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh so yeah, that's uh, it. It's one of my favorite memes. It's it's heavy. It's tough. But it's my favorite. Um, people are sending around uh, memes to the effect of, if your eight-year-old boy says he's a pirate, you need children know who they are. You've got to saw off his leg and pluck out one of his eyes and Barbaric. get him a, a, hook, a hook hand and a patch because kids know who they are. If your anorexic daughter tells you she looks fat, kids know. Tell her she's fat. You've got to... You have to have uh, fat affirming care for anorexic girls. How how scary is that? How clear does that make the point? Or or your child who's depressed. If they say nobody loves them and there's no point in their life, you've got to affirm that because confused adolescents are always right with their mental struggles. God, you people who believe that there's something seriously wrong in your head. Anyway, having said that, been following this story at. I didn't. Uh, uh, yeah. I didn't understand 75% of the words she used there, though, in that little clip. I mean, it, that's how... Uh, out, uh, you need a glossary. Not Yeah, exactly. That's how not up to speed I am. I really didn't understand a lot of that. Like, I'd never heard those words before, ever. Right. You know, that, that brings up kind of another tangent, but an interesting one, that a lot of this woke stuff is a badge, it's a status badge that educated people, you know, therefore uh, richer people use to show their status because now everybody's got a car and there's some pretty inexpensive cars that look pretty cool. 
everybody's got some pretty good-looking clothes. I mean, because, you know, even if they didn't steal them, for instance, if you're a person of low income, you can get some really cool clothes at thrift stores or those Chinese factories that crank out fast fashion or whatever. It's getting harder and harder for the affluent to signal their affluence. And so one of the ways they do it is by spouting this uh, grad school jargon that they learned. That's how they recognize each other. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, you got people who, you know, maybe don't have a lot of money wearing fancy jewelry, for instance. So uh, I'm not sure that explains all of this, but I think it's a factor in it. How do you show that you're part of the enlightened upper crust by using all these uh, terms? But here's where it gets ugly, because a lot of people are stupid in the media and in uh, education, as we've discussed through the years. Here's this terrible, terrible story in uh, Tulatan, Oregon, which is right outside of... um, Portland, I think, where there's a troubled, troubled student there, a male, who quote-unquote identifies as female, and you're supposed to call a she, but this uh, young man also has some terrible anger problems and has brutalized a couple of young girls a couple of times. And the school district is tied up in knots because this kid identifies as a transgender and so they don't know what to do it's not a little boy who beats up girls it's more complicated than that even though it's not and on top of that in the first attack which was a brutal violent physical attack on a little girl they used restorative justice where instead of having a zero-tolerance policy, because as the uh, superintendent says, zero-tolerance is antithetical to our work as educators. If it is safe for the victim and the school community as a whole to extend an opportunity for the student to relearn different behavior, that is what we do. And so this boy brutalized a girl. They held a little restorative justice where they explained to him, hey, you shouldn't brutalize little girls. And he said, yeah, okay, whatever. Then he got mad at another little girl and brutalized her. And then when one of her friends stepped in to help, beat the hell out of that second girl. But the school district just doesn't know quite what to do because the boy is transgender. Yeah, I can't even hardly engage in this conversation because I've lived to some of it. And it's so maddening. I mean, it's just so absolutely maddening. The restorative justice thing is such a failure. And uh, the sooner they get rid of it, the, the better. It's so reminiscent of our discussion of getting away from phonics in favor of this fad that was terrible. And finally, after decades now, they're saying, oh, yeah, like every single shred of scientific evidence points to phonics as the way to teach English. Well, a lot of us were saying that like the first week this other crap was introduced. It was known. It was seeable. But it took a long, 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 long time. The blindness to the utter unicornian ineffectiveness of this restorative justice crap is astonishing to me you can see the results in every school in america teachers have lost control of the classrooms completely yeah um on the topic of showing your uh, education by changing the language reminded me of this thing i came across the other day because i think that's what's going on with this a lot of the times it's about the word retarded Mm. Somehow it got used and somebody was in trouble for saying it. The word retarded was used as a euphemism because people were offended by the word moron years ago. Because when I was a kid, retarded was the preferred word. 
That was Correct. that was yeah. the kind, enlightened, you care about people word. Mm-hmm. That came to be because they decided the word moron was awful. Moron was literally invented from scratch by a scientist to be dispassionate as a term because people were offended by feeble-minded, which had been the term before moron. So now mm-hmm. we're going clear back to the 1800s. And it just keeps moving. Whatever word we pick will also become an insult, and your grandchildren will scoff at videos of videos of you using that word neutrally now. It's the condition we find repugnant, not the name for it. The euphemism treadmill does not purify the concept, but merely taints the word. But what drives a lot of it is what you're talking about earlier. It's a way to show, you know, I'm a I'm a, I'm a higher level of person. A good example was the whole when I was a kid, colored people was the term you're supposed to use and then that became awful now we're back to people of color we've just gonna gone around the bend on that one or the silly term african-american yeah um yeah the the whole retarded thing is a little different than some of it just because the technical term gets becomes vogue for insulting people and then you know if i were to you know call somebody a moron then that that's when describing somebody who's developmentally disabled, which I think is a term I can still use. I don't know if not cancel me. Um, I don't want it to be a term that's also used to insult people. I kind of get that discomfort, but it's obviously a never ending cycle. We'll, we'll right. invent a new yeah. term. And then 20 years from now, uh, uh, you know, if you uh, uh, make me angry, I'll call you that. And we'll have to find a new term. I just guess that's the way it is. How'd you feel about feeble minded? Uh, it's fine. Hmm. Seems kind of old-timey. So somebody invented a word. How about we call these people morons? Yeah, yeah. And that yeah. was the nice, accepted term for a while. And then if you really want to get into the uh, linguistic weeds, um, you've got some people who want to present people with serious developmental difficulties, whether they are physical, psychological, or whatever, as not having a problem. Mm. you're handy capable yeah that sort of thing um anybody who's dealt with a loved one who has significant challenges knows it ain't a good thing it can there is good that can come from it learning and enlightenment and love and compassion and the rest of it but it's hard they know it's not a good thing so the whole autistic people can concentrate extra well and sometimes they get rich like elon musk yeah that does happen sometimes Hmm. It's like some people who have a pituitary disorder end up making millions of dollars in the NBA, but mostly they're just in pain. So, you know, I don't know. That bothers me. But a lot of things bother me. Stay tuned. I'll get to some more. (laughs) What bothers Joe Getty? A feature we do every Wednesday, among other things on the way. Armstrong and Getty. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. 
It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A woman in Chicago recently went skydiving at the age of 104. And if you're wondering what was up with her parachute, those were her breasts. That is both anatomically and in terms of taste, terrible. (laughs) Hey, Katie, you need to do something for us right now, please, if you could do this. Oh, geez, following that, are you serious? Yeah, that Uh that was weird and, like, sexist or something. Sorry about that. I forgot. Hey, speaking of boob shoots, Katie, let's talk to you. uh, What time is the alert going to hit everybody's phone? Because it's going to freak everybody out today. I believe it's one Eastern, but let, let let's me nail double that down. Check. And I, you know, I don't know if you're listening to this show later in podcast form or wherever you're listening. So maybe this doesn't matter to you. But on the afternoon of Wednesday, they are going to make all our phones go. Ah, ah, so to, I stand uh, stand corrected. It is two twenty p.m. Eastern time. Two twenty Eastern time. Okay. Every time I get one of those Amber Alerts, I about have a heart attack. Right. They're too loud. Yes. That's going to happen today. Right in the middle of your nap or driving or lovemaking or whatever you're doing. And it's going to scare the crap out of you. Unless you're in airplane mode, right? I guess. Do you keep your phone in airplane mode? Here's why I don't, mostly. Because of, uh, or, or keep my ringer off ever. Mostly because of doctors doctors calling back. If you miss a doctor calling you back, you are doomed. <laughs> yes. Yes, you are. I'm, I'm currently doomed right now. I had that very thing happen uh, today. So that reminds me, a life hack for myself that I'm now going to do from now on. Because I made this mistake with my ophthalmologist. So I went to all these eye doctor appointments, like nine hours of eye doctor appointments, got new glasses. I can't see out of them at all. They're the worst glasses I've ever had. And, wow. Uh, but I remember when I got out of the meeting with this ophthalmologist and like a team of everybody, and they said, now, if you're not pleased with this, you... You call us right away. And I thought, yeah, I will. I mean, if it doesn't work out, I'll call you right away. My new life hack is this. Every time I leave a doctor's office, how do I get a hold of you? How do I get a hold of you? Give me a number where I can get a hold of you. Because they always say, call me, and you can't. 
No. You can't call them. I've been trying for weeks. It's impossible. So finally, yesterday, I went to the place, even though it's really difficult to get to and park in the building, and it's far away, and it took me like an hour and a half to do this, but I went and actually went all the way in to a receptionist and passed there to physically leave a message because I just was never able to call. And so from now on, anytime a doctor says, hey, call me if you're still having trouble with that in a week, how? Tell me right. how because it's yeah. impossible. Is there somebody who answers this phone? How quickly do you return messages? Do you return messages? Sure. Because I think a lot of times the doctors, they don't know that. They don't know they're so hard to get a hold of. They think we can all just pick up the phone and give them a call, but we can't. Well, and what percentage of the population can just take a call during their work day? Uh, I realize it's pretty significant. It's not, you know, 10%, It's but it's not 100%. No. No, but okay. yeah, so I got to quit falling for that. And if you have any problems with this, just give us a call. Yeah, easier said than done. It's like writing, writing something on the uh, the uh, dry erase board, or what's the the flip chart? Yeah, it's like writing. Okay, Jack has a problem with his glasses. Write that on the flip chart. All right, Jack, thank you. That's good. Anybody else? <laughs> right. Thanks for netting. Latest poll on support for Ukraine is kind of interesting. Stay tuned for that. Armstrong and Getty. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I believe I can continue to fight, maybe in a different manner. I will not run for speaker again. I'll have the conference pick somebody else. Yeah, that was a surprise to me. But then uh, uh, Kevin McCarthy yesterday, after getting booted out and saying he's not going to run, did a really long press conference in which he talked about all kinds of stuff. I mean, practically anything you can think of. 
uh, impeachment of Biden, how World War II started, what his mom thinks of gas prices and where she parks the car and all kinds of different things. But And all of it had the jaunty air of a man who just won the lottery. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, or just uh, just uh, you know, somebody just announced we've it's good. You don't have cancer anymore. All right, fantastic. Right, I mean, exactly. Was, or hey, hey, the governor just called. We're not going to execute you after all. In fact, you're free. Perfect. Do you want to do a press conference? Yes. That is exactly that. <laughs> it's the person who's been falsely accused of a crime and let out of jail. <laughs> That's what he seemed like. But anyway, at the very end, he said, "I don't know how much." You're going to have any interest in hearing me from here on out, but, uh, you know, maybe I'll see you around or whatever. Um, But he did mention at some point, well, the reason he told the long story about how World War II started is he's he's clearly concerned that support for Ukraine is going is dropping off and is going to drop off. And if you end up with a speaker who is not committed to it, like I think he has been, I think he is like Mitch McConnell committed to it. He just couldn't be quite as open about it. Um, that that's going to be a problem where there's some new polling out today on that topic. 63% of U.S. adults support providing additional arms and military supplies to the Ukrainian government. It's dropped about 10 points since a year ago, but you break it down by party and that's where it gets interesting. Among Republicans, support is now at 50%. That's down 30 points since the beginning of the war. Mm-hmm. So it's gone from 80% to 50% of do you support providing additional arms and military supplies to the Ukrainian government. Now, Democratic support stands at 77%, barely changed at all. Um, but I wonder if, if a Republican wins, because the natural place for Democrats to land is not we support foreign wars. That's that's. I, I think it's because Biden is so strongly in favor of it, and they're just. It's like we've been talking about parties don't have platforms anymore. It's just whoever's running your party, you go with their platform. I think you get a Republican in there talking up the war. All of a sudden, you could easily lose ten, twenty percent of Democrats drop off really fast. Yeah, that's absolutely at work here. There are a lot of weird ingredients in the stew, honestly. I don't want to jump onto one of my tangent trains yet, but... Um. Um, so I don't know where that leads us, and I've been saying for a long time, I think this is going to turn into a real fissure in the Republican Party, and the angriest exchanges of substance in the Republican debate the other night were over this issue, where you had... Chris Christie, Nikki Haley, and Pence very strongly saying, look, we have to support Ukraine to the end, and here's why. This is very important for American interests. And Vivek, completely on the other side, I'm not exactly sure where DeSantis is. I think he's trying to have it both ways. He's kind of trying to have it both ways, so so I don't know what he actually thinks. Mm-hmm. But um, he might have to take a stand on that before we get to uh, Iowa. I don't know. Yeah, I'd, I'll be interested to see. I'm I'm afraid it's going to become one of those real ugly, like, people can't discuss this sort of thing within the Republican Party. It's going to be hard. Uh, yeah, I, it's already that way in some quarters. You know, I think we've invited this before. We've, we have some listeners who are 
uh, very bright and reasonable, who oppose continued funding of the Ukraine effort for some pretty, you know, approachable reasons. They're they're good, sound, logical arguments. They're not necessarily right, but uh, they're not necessarily wrong. Um, if you believe we should stop funding Ukraine, why? And there are going to be some caveats before you start writing. So, but our email address, which you may know already, is mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Do not hit me with the, why are we worried about their border when our border isn't closed? All right, that's just silly. Secondly, don't hit me with, how can we spend money on that when you guys are always saying that the government spends too much money uh, or we should be spending it on this instead? That's what we call a false choice. That's like me saying to my wife, I'm sorry we can't afford your medicine anymore because buying your medicine, we won't be able to afford to eat. Ignoring... You know, ex- service on my expensive car and my golf habits and the fact that I like to buy new clothes now and again. I've just gone to the one thing that has to be funded as an example of why we can't fund this other thing. No, the government, the federal government does 10,000 things and spends trillions of dollars. So you can't give me, no, we can't spend on that because we got to spend on this. You'd pick your priorities and in in my theoretical universe you then budget how much money you actually have and then you spend it um people often come with the world war three argument that we're baiting russia into what could be a cataclysm i don't think we are um but it's absolutely something you have to consider i think we invite world war three much more likely by allowing russia to get away with it Right. Well, I I tend to agree with you. Um, We've already seen now another European conflict break out where a country decided, all right, we're going to settle this by force. It's, you know, it's a small place and and not strategically very important. And I don't actually buy the argument that if Putin gets Ukraine, he's going to go on to take the Baltic states and then Poland. And, you know, before you know it, London will be flying the hammer and sickle. I don't actually believe that. Who was I listening to the other day? Well, yeah, London's never going to be fine. We, we would intervene before then. But um, uh, who was I listening to the other day? One of my favorite, uh, it'll pop into my head, is on a podcast. But he or she fully believes that. If Putin is allowed to keep Ukraine, he would move on one of the Baltic states next. I think he, I think you move on the Baltic states. I don't think I don't. So what? NATO agreement, Article Five. I don't think we would. I don't think we'd honor it. I don't think other European countries would honor it either. You don't? I don't think so. Which would be horrifying. I don't think he'd move on Poland. I think that'd be a different kettle of fish. But I don't know. It's all guessing, but. I don't know. I was surprised that uh, this very learned person, I wish I could remember who it was, uh, who studies this sort of stuff for a living, was so certain that, oh, yeah, Putin gets Ukraine. He absolutely is, is going to continue to try to take countries, mm-hmm. yeah. which obviously would have us involved. Oh, by the way, that's right. I had one more caveat. Calling someone a neocon is not an argument. OK, so don't don't bother. Don't waste my time. I don't even know what that term means anymore. Yeah, uh, globalist, uh, world's policeman, foreign adventures, too free with the military. Well, I that just sort of thing. My, my my thing is not spreading democracy around the world. I think it absolutely is in our interest to have a world order where big countries don't get to take weaker countries. It has served us so well. It made us so rich. And if that goes away, oh my God, we'll long for the days when we were the world's policemen and keeping the world order. 
Yeah, you don't know how good you've got it until it's gone in terms of peace and prosperity. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with well, that. Although I am willing to concede that, you know, as history is unfolding, it's not like reading about it in the future. It's a lot more confusing during. Mm-hmm. You know, if you read, for instance, uh, Churchill's admittedly somewhat self-serving but fascinating uh, autobiography, including the part that's pre-World War II, The Gathering Storm, uh, which is one of my favorite books of all time. Uh, if you read the arguments of the people who opposed Churchill, Churchill believed the Nazis were building up their war machine to to make war and that Britain needed, and actually Britain and its allies, needed to wake up and build its own war machine because weakness was going to invite conquest. And he was 100% right. But if you read the arguments of the people who disagreed with him at the time, they're not, like, obviously idiotic. They thought they were right, and some of them were pretty smart. They just happened to be wrong. So yeah. Right. They weren't just cowards or weak. They thought it was the best argument to avoid more bloodshed and cost. They didn't. Well, part of it is they didn't think Hitler would uh, move on all these other countries, and he did. Nobody thought Hitler would move on Russia. He did. So maybe the idea that Putin would never move on Poland is wrong. I don't know. But how about this argument, the idea that if... China sees Russia get away with taking chunks of Ukraine. That means Taiwan is a lot easier to take than we thought. I think that's true. But do you think that's true? Yes. Yes. Um, You know, how true it is is in the eye of the beholder. To see Europe and the United States and uh, some of our Asian allies say, nope, we're not having an age of conquest. We're going to make it so incredibly expensive for Russia, they never want to do it again. That sent a message to China, absolutely. Whether it'll be a powerful enough message to alter their behavior or just the timeline or whatever, I don't know. So the uh, uh, so trying to steel man the argument for those of you on the other side that uh, it's a regional dispute and Russia taking Ukraine doesn't matter to us, so then I've got to believe that he's going to stop there, I guess. And Yeah, that- he had a legitimate interest in pushing the boundaries of Russia outward. NATO was getting too close in an aggressive way. This is their point of view. And that because of, and if you know anything about Russian history, you know that geographically, there are like no great geographic barriers to invasion in Russia. You can just walk in. We, we have oceans and giant mountain ranges and the rest of it. So uh, Russia's always been a little paranoid because they're so easily invaded. And NATO was getting too close, and uh, and Putin had to push the borders out to protect the mothership. A lot of people believe that. And then I guess you'd have to also believe that China sees Taiwan as a completely different situation than Russia and Ukraine. And they would realize we have great a deal of national interest in that one and would fight for that in a way that we yeah. didn't fight for Ukraine. There's some crossover, though, because both in both cases, they look at Ukraine and Taiwan as that used to be ours, and it still ought to be. Ours meaning the Soviet Union in the case of uh, Putin. Well, Russia getting Ukraine doesn't affect us other than messages it sends to the world, maybe leading to further war. China taking Taiwan really affects us because then they control like a quarter of all the shipping in the world. That's a big deal. Right. The chips. The chips. It's all about the chips. Yeah, absolutely. Not to mention the fact that China is just so incredibly belligerent and aggressive 
in the Pacific, in the South China Sea, building those military bases on the islands and saying, this is our territory now. This is no longer international waters. Man, oh, man. China is asshole. Well, David French, who writes for the New York Times, but is a uh, conservative Republican. Um, well, he's not a Republican anymore. He's a conservative. But anyway, he he thinks China moves on Taiwan. He's He's been saying for a long time it would be military malpractice to not immediately sink our ships the day you're going after Taiwan. You can't go after Taiwan and hope we don't fight you. You have to you have to assume we're going to fight you and sink our ships, so then we're at war with China. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could picture China issuing an announcement. The operation has begun. If you move, if you so much as twitch, we're going to go full on at your Navy. Yeah, they might, might see if, for instance, doddering old Joe Biden didn't mean what he said. If they can, Ooh, that'd but, be a gamble, man. Giving up the element of surprise for that. That's a gamble. Of course, all, all your big move maneuvers in wartime are huge gambles, huge gambles. Well, and one final note of naval analysis, the naval might that we've had for, you know, going on a century now, um, certainly three quarters of a century is soon to evaporate because the modern missile systems, they can wipe out our best ships. It's not hard. So, to me, the biggest thing coming out of McCarthy stepping down yesterday is, I don't care who's the Speaker of the House, but the supporter of funding for Ukraine at the top of the House may be gone, and it might be replaced by somebody who doesn't care about Ukraine in the same way. That could be a big deal. Yeah, or yeah, somebody who just says, yeah, the support isn't there, so never mind. Not my thing. Yep. Yep. Uh, Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. We'll finish strong next. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's a good sign to pick tonight. Usually I like do something nice for a lady, but my bro right here, he said, I spent all my savings buying tickets for me and my ex, but honestly, never mind, it's really her loss. So she ain't come with you tonight. She ain't come with you tonight? And you in here just icy with the gold chain and the sunglasses on? Hey, you know what? I'm gonna give you 50 bands so you can flex on her tonight. That's how, that's how so, we doing it tonight, big dog. That's the tonight. biggest selling musical artist of all time, Drake. Broke all of the Beatles records, Michael Jackson records, uh, everybody. Drake. I don't quite know how they measure these things anymore. Selling? But yeah, what does I, that mean? I don't even know. But he's the biggest musical artist of all time by the n- new way they measure things. Anyway, I tried to listen to some Drake. When I heard that a couple, like a year or so ago, I thought, well, I got to get into Drake. I didn't know he's the biggest thing ever. I know who he is. I see him courtside at all the NBA games, but that's all I knew. His music is so filthy. Oh, It is the filthiest of the filthy. There's plenty of like hip-hop stuff we listen to that's like on the edge of filthy, or it's okay for my junior high kid. I mean, you know, he's not going to die if he hears, but this is filthy. Wow. Anyway, Drake at a concert gave 50 grand to a fan who was there alone because a girlfriend dumped him before he uh, came to the concert and came by himself, so. That's oh, of, is that what he's saying? To give him 50, whatever he said, so he can do something lingo, <laughs> I don't know, with the ladies or something? Something, yeah. Wow, that's quite a feature of a concert. Yeah. He is crazy wealthy. Drake gambles a lot, too. That's what he's famous for, is any big sporting event, how much money he bet and how much he lost or won. A um, couple of things I came across. New York Times had this headline I don't know much about. If you've fallen into the rabbit hole of bear videos on TikTok, you're not alone. Bear videos? Have you fallen into the rabbit hole of bear videos? Well, I don't know be these. A bear hole, technically, wouldn't it? But um, no, I don't. I don't know. Maybe I need to do that. Maybe that's how I'll spend my afternoon. There's a hole in the show, and you know it's time to go. It's time for final thoughts on, on your feet. feet. Here's your host for final thoughts, Joe Getty. Thank you. Let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew. Our technical director, Michelangelo, will lead us off. Michael, final thought. Yeah, this clip today. I mean, it's bad to do at the same time. They're probably doing it for a reason. They need those things. I was taught as a kid, never, ever steal. And if I uh, shoplifted like these people did, my parents would have, you know, severe punishment. That's all I'll say. What if you needed those things? Now, you go out and you earn it. Amen to that, brother. Yeah. Amen to that. Katie Green, our esteemed newswoman, has a final thought. Katie? I was made fun of when I was growing up for having a low voice, and after hearing that clip just now, I'm grateful for it, because her voice was cringe, <laughs> shrill, I don't know, lost the word. Wow. Wow. Girl on girl verbal violence. Uh, Jack, a final thought for us? Another trend I came across yesterday I was unaware of is these mental health t-shirts. I guess they're very popular right now. Here's a uh, like a college girl wearing her Lexapro sweatshirt. Prozac Nation. So antidepressant-themed sweatshirts are really a hot thing, apparently. Wow. Wow. I guess my final thought, and I'd meant to throw it in the discussion about Ukraine, is that whole argument that Putin's standing up for Christianity and oh, yeah. against the debauched West. Oh, please don't fall for that fraud. Are you kidding? That makes Matt Gates' fiscal warrior look authentic. Putin is an evil, raping murderer. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. He and there in, are Orthodox churches in the world that are utterly evil as well. Yeah, he is in no way standing up for Christianity. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people to thank. So little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. If we refer to we'll have it at the website for you. It's going to be under hot links. The articles, the videos we talked about, some we didn't get to. Good stuff. You can pick up some A&G swag. Get a Things Are Getting Weird and They're Getting Weird Fast t-shirt or a hat or the sports bra as endorsed by my daughter. I wish it wasn't quite so true that things are getting weird and they're getting weirded fast, but they are. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless America. I'm strong and getty. I'm going to make a very obvious point. Okay. We're not going to stare at their crotches. It's true. I expected more. Things are getting weird, and they're getting weird fast. That is why as soon as I am reelected, elected Just sitting around, playing the fiddle. Yay. Uh, that seems quite ambitious, if not a little bit loony. Whatever you want to call it, you can. It's um, insane. This is a mess. Absolutely. It is now 100% proven. Hi. Good night, everybody. Armstrong and Getty. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.